Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy Wednesday, folks. Happy Boxing Day for our friends up in Canada. Normally, I'd be heading up the QEW right now to go to the Toronto Marlies game, which they usually do at Scotiabank Arena. It used to be Air Canada Centre. But uh, the, the wonders of AHL TV allow me to actually stay home and not and avoid the, the slick um, roads and be able to watch the Marlies. Um, there you go. Got a couple items here that we'll talk about on the pre-show. Peter will be joining us. Uh, Ak is vacationing down in Florida, so um, we may have him later in the week uh, from his balcony in Longboat Key. Um, okay, Russ, you uh, went to go see Aquaman yesterday. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Two fins up. It was really good. Uh, what I would like to say about Aquaman is – it's really taken a nice jump on the graphics end that, you know, DC only seemed to be able to make for certain Batman movies and Wonder Woman. And now they're, it's, it's starting to go across the board. So that's, that's exciting because, you know, look, I think many of us DC first fans, which I am, mm-hmm. went and saw a lot of the Marvel movies because they just were so good. And you like those characters. Anyhow, it's not like I didn't grow up with them or didn't like them. I certainly liked and read some of them. Right. But I, I gravitated a little bit more toward, towards DC, but their their movies had pushed you away for a little while. You know, now they're not. The story was better. It's long. Look, it's two and a half hours. But again, I'm okay with it because it's an origin movie. Like, you have to really right. – it, it, it's hard to lay out an entire origin of a character and still have good action in a movie. And they did manage to pull it off. Nicole Kidman did a great job in it. Uh, it's, it's Jason Momoa is fantastic. It's really, really good. Uh, Willem Dafoe's in it. Like they, they, they did a good job of casting. They did a good job with the underwater scenes are really great. Maybe the best we've ever seen in any kind of movie because, you know, other than Waterworld, which was <laughs> horrible. <laughs> it's hard why to bring, why bring that up? I know. It's hard to do underwater stuff. Now, The Meg, which I did see this year, did a good job with underwater stuff and actually, you know, made you believe that a, um, oh, Meg, Megala. Yeah. It? Meg, right. It's a, the massive shark. I mean, yeah, I, it's a prehistoric shark. It's a Megala something Megalodon, a right. Megalodon actually existed and it really did make you believe it. This one makes you believe that Atlantis really did exist. And, um, Momoa apparently during the movie wore like hip restraints underwater. So like that, you know, you're going to be a pretty tough guy to go through all of that. But I do want to say there is a scene where they show it in like a stadium and an arena Coliseum. And I think it's in Atlantis. I'm not sure where it is, but there was still obstructed view seating. Like, you know, I get it. If on land we have obstruct obstructed view seating, but really underwater there was, like that just maddens me that some people got chipped on. That. That's all. Uh, I have to say though, um, you know, I'm not as much of a um, 
you know, Batman. I mean, I like the Batman movies, but the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, but I'm not as much of the, a devotee of all, all the Marvel movies and all the DC movies. I'll watch them if they're on TV. I, I like them, but I, I, I'm not like breaking, breaking down the doors to go see them. And I have to say, I saw the preview for Captain Marvel. I was underwhelmed. I like Brie Larson. She's a really good actress. And yeah, I think mm -hmm. Annette Benning and Jude Law and Samuel L. Jackson are in it. So they're putting, you know, there's a there's a really good cast there. But I was sort of underwhelmed, and you never know when it's a preview. And you almost see a bit of a seed change here because the Avengers Endgame, which is rumored to be like the end of uh, Chris Evans's Captain America, and a number a number of the of that original cast that have done all these yeah. movies, like Winter Soldier and Iron Man one, two, and three. I mean, I, I don't know if Downey is ever is going to come back. He, he apparently uh, is. The the talk is. Is that he likes doing like these walk-ons so much that that's what he'll end up doing on a lot of these movies, right? But but some of them are some of them are tired, and they, they've done six or seven of these of these movies, yeah. so I think they want to move on in their career. But mm -hmm. you know, you almost get to get a chance, you almost get the the inkling of DC maybe taking a jump ahead now because it's Wonder possible. Woman, yeah. So, um, couple, they're definitely going to take some market share. Like when Marvel laid out. Or Disney laid out their master plan for all the Avengers and everything. It was a good plan, but they never really accounted for DC affecting them. And I think they will. Now, to roll that over, something else that's going to affect Disney. Um, got an email today from Verizon, mm -hmm. for which I'm a customer. And now Disney and Verizon are, are having negotiation problems. Because if you remember, Disney acquired Fox's like regional sports network. And right. now Disney is trying to get Verizon to carry them if you want ABC and ESPN. So they're basically holding those two channels hostage mm -hmm. and making them, in essence, pick up the other channels. Now, Verizon said they made what was a fair offer. We have no idea what that is. But this kind of business is where – if this is ESPN's idea of getting the money back from when they used to be – like in, in just in what I would call Shaper City because they were on the pay end of cable and basic cable and got all that free money. It's a bad idea. I'll be right back. Jordan's got to go. Yeah, no, no problem. And and I have to say this, and I'll I'll repeat it so Russ can hear it. Um, I have a lot of problems with Verizon because they're really a, a heavy advertiser. And, and, you know, if there's a, commercials out there that are – okay you know i know that you see commercials repeatedly on tv especially if you watch the same channels over and over like during the during the stanley cup playoffs hey peter we're live uh during the stanley cup playoffs you see the geico commercials over and over you see other commercials over and over and after a while you get annoying it's very rare that a commercial gets annoying from the from the go and verizon's commercials with the guy who apparently is a Canadian actor. I didn't know that. The guy from the show Silicon Valley, the HBO show Silicon Valley. I want to throw my TV against the friggin' wall every time I see this commercial. And now, on top of seeing them all the time on TV, like on shows that I watch, they're the commercial on the NHL.com for all the goals. So yeah. you see this over – and NHL.com, I'm sorry. If you see the commercial once and you're going in and you're looking at different goals – do you have to see the commercial every single friggin' time that you go in to see a particular goal? I mean, yeah, you watch honest, it. I'll be honest. 
I don't do that anymore. I just it annoys me to the point now where I look for it elsewhere, whether it's on Twitter or somewhere else. Yeah, I'm gonna start doing that because it's it's it's, it's just a time annoying. sucker. Yeah, it's freaking annoying. So yeah, I mean, so I mean, and Russell, we seem to hear about this battle between like companies, cable companies. You might be like always in New York, always like at you New know, York and Philly because there's millions yeah. of subscribers. Yeah, yeah, and then now. I'll depart from that and just mm -hmm. touch on this quickly and then we'll start the show. Um, I put out it there on Christmas Eve just, you know, because I was pondering what I was going to, you know, Christmas Eve dinner or what they eat on Christmas Eve is always, um, you know, normally I would get Chinese food um, because, you know, and some, some fellow Italian says, what kind of paisan are you that you're, you know, you're eating Chinese food on Christmas Eve, you know, like, Dude, I eat I eat Italian food all the time, so Chinese food is sort of a nice diversion. But the place that I get Chinese food from was like backed up an hour and was closing early, and I decided, okay, I'm not gonna like wait around in a lobby for an hour on Christmas Eve. I'm gonna find something else. My my question that I put out there was, what do you usually order for Christmas Eve? And I, I couldn't believe like you, it, it, the wide like divergence of like one steak and lobster yeah. uh pasta uh burger king somebody said i couldn't believe that one but you know peter what did you what did you have for uh for we christmas do it, well this year was a little smaller this is our first year being in in town for christmas but we did um in seven years but we did uh we did a um a thai curry with mussels and then assorted snacks and then also a Chinese barbecued pork minced up with uh, uh, various vegetables, mushrooms and stuff, and that you roll in lettuce wraps. Yes. That's good. That sounds good. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because my wife's a genius in the kitchen, and I'm basically useless. We did, like, mandarin chicken and rice. I didn't even go to a uh, Chinese restaurant this time or get takeout. But I will tell you that a friend of the show, Mark Fischel, who used to be in charge of, like, the NHL's um, – credentialing and he's with the NBA now he actually does the awards with the NBA he does a great job mm -hmm. he actually found a Chinese restaurant in New York that was closed that is like impossible <laughs> that's the busiest it's impossible day of the year. that's their busiest day of the year actually Chinese restaurants almost never close historically no matter even Christmas or not a good example is one time I was traveling down to Florida for a friend's wedding and roads were awful they actually closed 95 so we had to stay in Savannah. And so we got off in Savannah and luckily I was in the hotel business at that time so I could get a free room. It was great, right? But we went to eat in the city and the only place open was a Chinese restaurant. And normally that's what happens because they're family owned and they usually say, all right, you know what? We live close by, we'll stay open and we'll clean up. Yeah. And to see that in New York, <laughs> that was a bit shocking. Well, I, I like I said, normally I'll get Chinese food. Um, I went back to my roots and decided to get like my favorite pizza, favorite pizza place. And I'll tell you, Russ, I I have never seen a pizza place more busy in my life. This place has a small parking lot. There was yeah. a line. I had ordered it an hour before. There was a line of people lined up out the door outside. It was like Chick Fil A. It was that. That's how busy it was. It's hard it, to believe there's more people like you in Buffalo, but there really are. Oh, but, but this place is great. I'll, I'll give them free advertising. Bocce no, listen. I mean, pizza in Buffalo is really good. It's a very underrated part of the city. I don't want to say it's as good as New York City because I think it's, no. it's 
it's they're, not, they're different. They're different. It's different, but it is really good. I mean, it's actually if, if you counted Buffalo as a separate city and don't count, you know, it as part of like New York State. Yeah, you know, it would rank in the top five for sure. Yeah, no, it's it, but they're different types of pizza. I mean, Chicago yeah. pizza, New York pizza, and Buffalo pizza are all three different things. But yeah. we'll we'll do a pizza show. And Boston so. still needs to learn how to do pizza. But anyhow. <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, December 26, 2018. Happy World Junior Day. Uh, and I'm Peter Tessier in Winnipeg. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Let's start with the World Junior, which starts today yep. in Vancouver and Victoria. I'm looking forward to watching it. And I have to tip my hat to the NHL Network that will be carrying, from what I from what I see, all of the games – um, I mean, the only Seems thing like all the games, yes. Yeah, the only thing I saw, the only thing I saw was that, like, and obviously their focus is on on Team USA. There's an overlap between the USA game. I think one is in Victoria, one is in in Vancouver, obviously. Yeah. And they're gonna stick with the USA game and probably come in on the Canada Denmark game in progress. Yeah, so that's, that's the fine. First but juniors, this is the first one I'm missing in a while. Uh, but I'll be watching, which is great. I. You know, back when we started Sportsology in 2000, you couldn't really get much World Junior information even in the States. You know, the Internet was fairly new. And even in 2001, it was the case. Even up to 2006 or seven, it got a little better. But then when the NHL Network originally started doing it, it was just USA games. So then I'd have to try and find things elsewhere. And now we are at least at the point where everybody can get them. So it is nice. Well, it, it, unless you don't have NHL Network, then of course you don't get it. Yeah, last year was my first was my first World Junior. I, I went to I think ninety five percent of the games, and I'll let, I'll let people in on a little embarrassing story that Russ is aware of. You know, they had they had uh, food for the media and for um, you know team officials and officials for the different countries, and I I walked in and there was really nobody. Uh, they're taking money, so there was I, no I guard. there was no guard. So I assumed that meant that the food was free for the media and for, and then like about halfway through the tournament, then they had somebody there taking money, and I'm like, I had been eating for free, which was something that was supposed to be paid for for half the tournament. So <laughs> what's embarrassing know. about that? Well, no, I just I'm well because he felt I, bad. That's all. He I felt, he right, exactly. I didn't. I mean, I didn't know. And you know, when when you know, ignorance is bliss when you're getting free food, and the food wasn't bad either. So, okay, so let let's start. You know, this is the what the third time in four years that the tournaments in Canada. It was yeah. Montreal, Toronto, then it was Buffalo, which is basically Canada, yeah. and now now Va uh, Vancouver, Victoria, uh, yeah. this year. Um, Russ, let's start with because we'll talk. We'll talk about you know some of the key players and the key teams. Let's start with Team Canada. The the one thing that I, I had seen regarding Team Canada was you know the the debate over the goaltender and um, they had three exhibition games. One was started by Di Pietro. One was started by Ian Scott. The third game they they split. Um, the best performance was Scott in the second game, but uh, then he didn't play very well, and neither did DiPietro in the third game. And it seems that Tim Hunter is going to go sort of round robin like USA did with Parsons and Wall a couple years ago and maybe decide about halfway through who the guy is going to be. That's not all that's up in the air, though. Bob McKenzie put out a uh, 
a weird yeah. sort of troubling tweet a little while ago, and it mentioned how Team Canada was using Noah Dobson and Ty Smith on the third pairing because, like, hey, they're eighteen-year-olds, and that's not what it's not Bob's doing. This is Bob just reporting, so yeah. I'm not I'm not ripping Bob, but and then you know Jared McIsaac is also a a seventh defenseman. He's also you know at that age group, right. and. I thought, wow, Marcus Phillips is starting on this team and Ian Mitchell is starting on this team and they're good defensemen, right? But Ty Smith and Noah Dobson, in my mind, are already better. Who cares about the age thing? But clearly Tim Smith does. Now, I'll tell you, Marcus Marcus Phillips is, is a sturdy guy. He's 200 and something pounds. Yep. I get that. But in this tournament... I still want the safer guys. And even Josh Brooke has the occasional turnover in him. And so I'm really surprised that these guys are going to start on the third pair when Ty Smith, I believe, is one of their best defensemen, period. Well, all around. Peter, I want to get your thoughts on this. But last year, Russ, didn't – who was it? That, was it Fabro or was it Makar that we thought should be McCarr playing? Makar did not get full playing time. Yeah, he was – He was. they were really limiting – his playing time, I and mean, when he did play, he was really impressive. He's fabulous, I, I, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I yeah. th- that that seems to be a tendency with 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 Canada and in, in the sense of overthinking. I, I, yeah, you know what? In these t- kind of tournaments, right? You're getting a coach and a coaching staff to come together, coach a team of players they're not overly familiar with. They're using scouting reports. They're using guy, and we all know coaches have trust issues. They 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 do. So if you're a player who theoretically should be playing and doing more you've probably done something that makes the coach question his trust of you and this is how so much of this because uh, it's a short tournament it's a short window into it and you've got to you've got to do things that allow the coach to trust you so you get your usage until things get desperate um this is exactly what happens with canada i mean lord knows everyone's a coach and a gm here uh, you know, you go to the TSN page right now. I mean, you have to scroll down a fair ways to find mention of any other sport not named World Junior Hockey. Right, right. And it, it's just gone into overload. And I think, you know, the the amount of stuff that the, the level of hyperbole that comes with it now. And, and I fully put this on TSN because it's their only real major property that's national now, other than some football broadcast rights, depending on what you call football and they hype it up to the to no ends i mean their stories are crazy and that trickles down into things it trickles down the pressure then you host it at home in your own country there's no pressure pete yeah no pressure but it becomes becomes silly i think it it gets a little goofy and the coaches feed into it too all of a sudden who knew what tim hunter was doing before he was coach of the world juniors i i had no idea what he was doing he was an assistant coach to ron wilson in toronto yeah, that's where he was. Um, no, no, no. Sticking with Canada here for a second, I, I was surprised by this. Only one player from last year's team is on this year's team. Formanton got hurt, so yeah. he was not going to be. He was. He's not available. The only player is Maxim Comtois, and that. I mean, that's. And he had some NHL experience this year with Anaheim. So yeah. that's that's. I mean, that's really. I mean, that's a great change. It's a. It's a statement of how deep. Canada's well of talent is, but still, you'd think that there would be more from last year's team than than just that. But you know, again, they're they're fiddling around the lines, and you know, 
our friend Bill Melter was talking about that. I'm not going to kill him on the lines, but I will say this. Again, I do think Tim Hunter is way overthinking this, yeah. and that's what happens a lot of time with Canada. And when they don't win gold, you usually go back and look, and it's usually because of that. It's usually not because of the personnel. So right. Jack Stadnicka was this close to making the Bruins. I mean, I've spoken to people who work for that team, right. and they really were thinking about putting him on the team. Like they, He was dead set preseason on making the team. He put a great run together and almost made the team. But on Team Canada, he's a fourth liner. Now, yeah. will they play that fourth line like a fourth line? Will they play it just like another line? I don't know, but history tells me they'll probably play it like a fourth line. So yeah. now it's sort of like Stanika's fault that he is like really good but really greasy. So he's like the only guy they could throw there of the other, you know, highfalutin top skill guys like Alex Lafreniere who can't play the fourth line. As well, an and, and there's almost some sort of old – old world thinking here because yeah. I mean they have Cody Glass and Suzuki as their one two centers and on the third line you know uh, Barrett Hayton who was a first high first round pick of the Arizona Coyotes is playing the middle and Morgan Frost who's a who's a natural center who I mean what did he have 65 assists in the in, in the uh, OHL last year he's one of the better playmakers but he's skinny Mike he's skinny. yeah I mean who gives up who gives a crap I mean that, that's what I mean you don't have you, this is what it boiled down to you don't have to be six foot four to play center anymore. That's the point. So yeah. I mean, so there are a lot of question marks for Team Canada, and as as you know, as we all know, it'll be played out, uh, Peter. It'll be played out on TSN and in the media. Yeah. You know, the and that that's a that's a thing here. Tim Hunter's being conservative because it's safe. He opens himself up for criticism if he does something yeah, that yeah. isn't conforming to what people think. So that's probably why he's going to opt for the conservative approach. And he's going to be conservative until he can't afford to be. Right. And hopefully that comes quick and they shake it up and they just go all in and and, and make it entertaining. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's it's one of these things though where like and, and people should really watch for Alex Lafreniere. He's going to be the yeah. first overall pick, I think, next year. Uh, just a great talent, great shoot and release, man. Just so fast. In 2020. Next, 2020. Next, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, next year, meaning the year after this year. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know. We're getting close to the, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's 2020. And he's just tremendous. Like, he, he's got a great shot. He, you know, again, is he at the strength he's going to be at in four years? No, but he's so fast and everything else that I think he'll remind people of like when a John Tavares was a young player, like that kind of player. I'm not saying he plays like Tavares. I'm not right. saying that at all, but I think there, you know, you'll look at him point wise and otherwise and say, yeah, you know, I think he's at a similar level to him. Uh, no, let's move on. The, the, the Czechs, um, they, they lost to the U S in the bronze last year. Uh, Nekish is back. Um, and he, I, I think he was just named team captain for. He was for, named team captain, yeah. Now, I, is it, if, unless I missed it, because it was still up in the air up until a few days ago when the when the rosters had to be set. Zadina is not is not on the team, correct? No, he's not. Okay, so that, I mean that's a big loss for them. Well, I, wait, I don't know. Actually, he was supposed to be though. Okay, yeah, because I know he was playing with Grand Rapids and he was playing pretty well. But, I know, no, I think. I thought I I saw that he reported. Hold on. Okay. Well, that you know that that's the case. You know that oh, he's got an injury. He's got an injury, so I don't know. Okay. Maybe maybe he's. Well, if it's like if it's like Liljegren with the Leafs, they basically said he they they denied his availability because he had a high ankle sprain. So, 
Um, if it's something yeah, like apparently so, Zadina is there, and right, so maybe he can play later on in the tournament. It, it may be that, or he might be ready just for the tournament. Right. Uh, yeah, because he had a lower body injury, so it's sort of up in the air. But he is supposed to play. They do have a great team for the Czechs. Like this is finally like a very competitive Czech team. I mean, you've got Jakob Lauko, Ostep Safin, Martin Kaut from Colorado. Like, yep. This is a strong, fast team. Philip Hedel from the Rangers. Strong, no, sorry, Hedl, the Rangers didn't let Hedl go. What am I saying? Sorry. So but, that but they didn't but, allow happen, but it's still a pretty strong team. Right, and if Zadina can play, I mean, that that one, that one two punch last year in, in Buffalo of, of Zadina and and, uh, and Nekish was what was what got them to where they where they got. So, I mean. It, the it, guy it, you got to watch is Jacob Skarrick, one of their goalies. Like, they had two pretty good goalies, Lucas Dostal and Jacob Skarrick. Both really talented goalies, both completely different. I think Scarrick's better because he's more of a post-to-post -post guy, where Dostal once in a while will give up the goal that you don't like. So I could see Scarrick being their top guy, but but like I said, Lauko Kaut, if Zadina plays, you know, this could give teams some trouble because I like their speed and I do like the um the passing and the skill. And you know, Ostop Sopin is is six five. So that's another one, you know, great power guy here. Uh, Team USA uh, won the bronze last year. Uh, come in with a, I think, a pretty loaded team. Now, you know, think of this: Middlestat, Brady Kachuk were eligible, but that's right because because they're playing so well in the NHL, they are not playing in this tournament. So imagine the U.S. with those two guys. And how much better their chances? Their their chances are still pretty good. I mean, they have the Hughes brothers. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying they're the favorite because that would that you know I, it, I don't think there is a favorite right now. I mean, I think I think Sweden, I don't think there's a favorite either. I mean, Canada won last year, so you have to say they are just because. But I don't think there's a favorite either. Uh, the Hughes brothers again. This is really the highest level you'll ever see them play together, right. unless one of them gets traded someday to the other team or that's you know. They or get drafted Vancouver, together. Or Vancouver lucks out and wins the lottery. Yeah. They win the lottery or yeah. some sort of happening like that. But the big thing with, with the Hughes brothers is if they play on the same power play, there's going to be some magic there. I'm pretty sure of it. It won't be Sedin-like, but I think it'll be really good between the passing and the way they're – how smart they are. But, but Jack Hughes will be one of the best players in the tournament. Everything – the whole offense of that team will run through Jack Hughes. He makes players better. I still think Evan Barrett, who plays for Penn State and Chicago draft pick, is maybe the most underrated guy on that team. He's a centerman. He's a local Pennsylvania kid. He really is another one who could really make things happen there, mainly as a playmaker. But he could still pop in a few goals, too. But their strength is at the blue line. Keandre Miller is just having a, a just dynamite year. Like, Keandre Miller is the best Rangers prospect he is. And and that is anybody who's not at the NHL better, level. Better better than Kravstov? I think so. Wow. Yeah. And that because again, Kravstov, we have to see what happens when it comes to North America, when right. they play a tighter game. In a tournament like this, Kravstov will look great and we'll get to that. But I do think Miller I, I have Miller ranked higher because I think Miller's a year or two from being in the NHL. He's that good. And he literally started playing defense late. He, he was a forward first, but, you know, his puck retrieval, his speed, his strength, they're all really good. But I don't think the U.S. is going to win this tournament. But 
Matias Samuelson, Shell's kid. I'm glad he made the team. I would love to see Miller and Samuelson together. We'll see if that happens. Right. Samuelson right. can play any role. He can play an offensive role. He can play the shutdown role. They'll probably put him in the shutdown role. He's very physical. He'll probably put a few guys through the boards and, and have a few penalties. But you can't underestimate him. That's a team where I look at them and I say, boy, if they had just a little more offense – I mean, I get it. You know, they, they have, you know, Wallstrom's on the team. They they have some offense, but not four lines worth of elite offense. That's that's where the blue line is going to come in handy. And the goaltending, you know, people are asking me, is it going to be Caden Primo or Spencer Knight? I think Spencer Knight will go first round in this draft, but he's young. And he had a bad game already in, in one of the prelims. So I think Caden Primo might be the leader. His last two years have been so good. Three years ago, I was like, mm, I, I like Caden Primo. I wasn't sure uh, if he had made the jump yet. Last year, I saw that he was making the jump to be a better goalie, and this year now, I think he's a he's a top goalie. 20 of the 23 players on the roster are already drafted. So that's, yeah. you know. That's, Which is great. I mean, but that we've seen that, and that doesn't necessarily make you a winning team either, no, you know. No, it doesn't. Um, Russia apparently waited until like the 11th hour to name their, the entire roster. They had, you know, they had, they waited until the last minute, uh, Clem cost in the first round pick of the blues was a late ad. Um, and the, the impression I get here, Russ, from what I looked at uh, about Russia, they leaned heavily towards the kids that were playing in Russia and any Russians that were playing in North America, they shied away from. I, one guy that I, you know, obviously is a leaf draft pick, uh, who I, you know, the SDA, the kid who plays for Peterborough, yeah. you know, who's, he's playing very well. He's scoring, you know, he's a really quick, creative player. They opted for guys in either the KHL or the MHL and their own prospects on their own home turf and not the guys who came over to North America. I think that's a sort of a subtle message. It is a subtle message, and they've been doing that for a while now. You have to be overwhelmingly good like a Svechnikov to sort of get away with that. Otherwise, you do get the slap on the wrist. Uh, Players for Russia, like obviously Kravstov, Kravstov rather, is is one to watch. He – Really skilled. He's 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 big. He's fast. He's great on the power play. He's got a great shot. He can make a lot of things happen out there. He should be their best player. He should be. Uh, Clem Costin in the crease is a absolute beast. I mean, this is a guy who's fast and can pass the puck, but also has great hands. And if he's in the crease, you got to watch out for him. I mean, forgetting about the fact that he's a trained boxer, forget that because I'm you know there's not that much fighting. But he'll be pushing guys around. Grigory Denisenko, the um, the Florida Panthers pick, this kid can, is, can streak up the ice and can really make things happen. He's more of a pass-first guy, but he also has a great shot. He's another guy to watch. So it is possible. And, and look, they have Shechnovich, who's, who's starring in juniors, who I'll tell you, another guy who's really fast, and he could take a lane and fill the lane. If they get two-on-ones, three-on-ones, he's deadly. They've got a lot of guys like this. Their goaltending's good. I like Tarasov. He's a good goalie. He's calm, and he's very good technically. They have a really good chance here. I, I At the end of this, I'll tell you where I picked everybody because I was on a show. I think I said it the other day, but I'll say it again in case people missed it. But I, I do think that um, Rush is in the top four no matter what. 
Okay, just a couple more here. Sweden has to be considered one of the favorites. Uh, they lost in the gold medal game to uh, Canada last year. No, Probably no medal throwing into the crowd this time around. Um, the strength of that team is their defense, even though uh, you know Rasmus Dahlin, who is the number one pick in the draft, is obviously not going to be there, but he would have been eligible. Uh, Timothy Lilligren, the Leafs' first-round pick, he was probably their second-best defenseman in, in Buffalo last year. He's unavailable because of a high ankle sprain, but they still have Brandstrom. They still have Boquist. They still have Rasmus Sandin, the Leafs' first-round pick from this year. And, you know, they have a lot of talent up front, Russ. I, I think Sweden yeah. always has to be considered a favorite. Sweden is one of my favorites. We should mention also um, Vasily Pukholzin uh, is, is also a kid on the Russian team who's up for the draft this year, a top-10 guy for sure. Uh, should mention him. Uh I like Ole Eriksson Ek. Like I think it starts in goal a lot of times, and I like him. He's not going to get mentioned as much as the other guys, but he's one of those guys. He's six two, but he plays bigger. Like right. you look at him and you swear he's six four. Just maybe it's the size of the torso, maybe it's the pads, maybe it's just the way he plays the puck and stands up. But I like everything he does. I like him, his speed, his battle. He's one of those guys though that does have to control the five hole. Like, that is a way to get to him. So the blue line, you're right. That's where everything is. Even Sands, Lindsgren, they still have a great blue line. I mean, those three with Adam Boquist, Eric Randstrom, Rasmus Sandin, that's fabulous. You could almost run the team with that. Yeah. And 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 they're going to do that. And they're all offensive. They all skate well. They all can play their own end. Boquist not as well as the other two. But right. they all draw penalties, too. Yeah. And Boquist is great at drawing penalties because of puck possession and Brandstrom's pretty good at it too. And Brandstrom's a little feistier than than the other two as well. So yeah. there that's a great thing to have off the blue line. But again, Philip Hallander, who I was high on, I think he's an underrated guy when the Penguins drafted him. I don't know if he'll play center or wing. He could play both. He'll probably be a top or second line guy for them. He could put <laughs> the puck in the net. He could also make a great pass. And we saw Isaac Lundestrom this year with the Ducks, and he didn't look out of place. No. And that is a very fat, a very strong kid in the middle who does have some speed, but he can win faceoffs. So they have Sweden's got a lot of these things wrapped up as far as and Oscar Bach, right? I mean, Oscar Bach is on that team too. Pretty sure. Yeah. Uh Peter, I, I'm not I'm not hundred percent hundred percent sure. I'll check on his on his birth date, but I, I believe Pedersen is still nineteen. So that that yeah. that's a guy that's a guy who could have been on this team, yeah. but obviously absolutely. But yeah. there's no there's no way he's going anywhere. No, no, um, just just like Kachuk and those other guys. There's you know yeah. they're, they're too good. You know, Russ, it's interesting listening to you talk about this because you know the the funny thing is is on some of the teams there are a ton of NHL draft picks, and yeah. I don't do a ton of pre-studying or learning on the world juniors to kind of like to come into it like christmas and just see what happens and go there so as you're chatting i'm, I'm looking at the tsn website and that's you mm -hmm. know that's the mother of all websites for this this is their big property it's their hype yeah. machine right now right it's you have to scroll to the bottom of their world junior page to find a listing to the rosters of the teams when you click on the rosters you can't even click on a link on a player's name. So I'll t give you, I'm just looking at Sweden right now. So here you have uh, uh, Timothy Lilligren, Toronto 2017. There's not a link on any of the stats byline. They just have his age, height, and weight to talk about. It plays on the Marley. So you can't click on anything to find out what he's doing currently. Wow. It's 
an embarrassment. And that's and that's a how much pick. effort TSN puts into this tournament. And to that's have a leaf this draft. Level, and, what's that? That's a, that's a leaf draft pick. So it's you would think that they would have a right. But anyone, I you know, when I was thinking, you know what? And I was looking at here, and I'm and I was looking. Oh yeah, David Gustin of the Jets. So I should click on him. Like, I don't know what he's doing. There's nothing there. Um, that's crazy to me. I mean, I don't I don't want to toot our horn. This is why, like, on if, if, if fans listen to Hockey yeah. Prospect Radio. We probably did a better preview than anybody, but you also can go to Elite Prospects if you yeah. join that site or you are a member and listen to replays there. I don't know if they've started to post them yet, but they're going to. This is why we do that show, Peter, because yeah. the the appetite for it is great, but not everybody has it under control as to information-wise. I mean, yeah. I, can under I can understand TSN being – canada centric i get that yeah but for, for people i mean honestly for me i start boning up for the 20 the the the, the draft around this time and last year yeah. i basically went went you know studied like crazy in december uh is, is is starting with the world junior about the players in the 2018 draft and you know in 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 dallas in june i had an idea about these guys whereas you know, I, I, I mean, they'll they'll list off their top 100 or whatever later in the year. But yeah, great. It's it's a guy you've never heard about, and you get a one paragraph blurb. I think you know, there's the hunger for knowledge about some of these players is is something that you can serve throughout the year, and especially at this time. So they should broaden their spectrum in terms of information on not just Canadian players, but on other other players as well. One one more team, and then we'll. One more team, and then we'll move on. Um, Finland, and the reason I want to talk about Finland, now they have some returning players. Tolvanen, yep. who's played in the NHL and the AHL. Uh, Yokoharu, who's played with the with the Blackhawks. So there's some returning players. Uh, and I'll, I'll pro I'm butchering his name probably, but but I think I am forgiven here because everybody was calling Patrick Line Patrick Lane in 20 before in the at the 20 2016 uh, World Junior until he until he corrected it and said it was Line. Uh, Capo Caco, the 17-year-old yep. uh, who's projected to be either one, two in the next draft, probably two, because yeah, he'll be two. But uh, he, this is I've not seen him, and I'm sure you know a lot of scouts have seen him. But this will be my first extended look at him, Russ, and I'm, I'm anxious to see how he looks. Yeah, I think he's around six one, one eighty five, right in that range. I, look, he he's a guy who can create fast break opportunities. He's got a lot of skill. He, like I said, he's got the speed. He's very smart with and without the puck. So even at his age, he will make a lot of things happen. A lot of the offense will run through him or run around him because he's not a center, but it will run around him when he's out there. He's going to be a really good scorer. Now, on that team, I don't know what his role is going to be. And the Finns, a lot of times, even if you're a superstar player, sometimes you could be minimal, minimalized. Ask Rasmus Dahlin, who got benched. So, <laughs> you know, you just don't know with them right. sometimes. But he got but he got benched as a 16-year-old playing for Sweden rather it than didn't last matter. Time. I mean, yeah. you know, Rasmus well, Dahlin was good enough then. Well, they're, I mean, the thing is with the Finns and the Swedes, it's a system. They're a, you're a product right. of the mm -hmm. system, and you've got to they fit through that. that system. And if, you, if, if you're – I mean, even even that team with Pugliarvi, with Kapanen, with Line, with Aho, they were playing the Finnish system. You had yeah. you had to conform to what they had. They had incredible individual stars, but I think they they had to conform to what they normally play to fit into that system to be able to win. 
And, you know, that it'll be interesting to see how his individual talents shine because we saw in that World Junior in Helsinki how Line A and how uh, Pugliarvi played and Aho yeah. as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a very underrated guy for this one is Jesse Lonen, who is a Montreal Canadiens draft pick. They got yeah. him in the second round, and he can make a lot of things happen, and he never gets talked about when there's talk about who – Canadians have in their system when everybody wants to sort of just dump on them and say, yeah, you know, we don't know what they really have anymore. They've mm-hmm. traded everybody. Well, it's not true. And he's got a guy that buzzes around there out on the ice. He's very fast. So you're going to watch him. You're going to watch him when he sees an open lane, if he's out there with a guy like Kako or if he's out there with Kupari centering him, Rasmus mm-hmm. Kupari for the Kings. You're going to see some great playmaking out there and some really smart play. So those two guys and Alexi Hepiniemi, who is a Florida pick, I believe, right. another really strong, fast, skilled playmaker. What they don't have are a lot of snipers. So if they're smart, Kako will play in a sniper role, and and they may even use one of these other guys in a sniper role. But I don't love Uka Pekalukinen at times. Yeah. I have this love-hate with him. I don't know what his stats no. are, but he play, he was playing for Pete. I think he's playing for oh um, Sudbury. Yeah, I think he's playing well. Yeah, but it's just in big games I've seen the best of him and the worst of him, and I'm not sure which we're going to see here. And that's what you. But again, he's a, he's a big name goalie, so everybody's going to talk about him. He's big, and yeah, he's got a 9.23 for Sudbury, which is great. I mean, that's. <laughs> And, and remember, this team is not going to have Jesperi Kutkaniemi, who's playing with the Canadians. He's only 18 years old, so he would have been eligible for this tournament as well. So um, just quickly, Russ, give us what you predict. Yeah, so I think Sweden is going to win it. Okay. I'm going to give Sweden. I'm going to go Canada second, U.S. third, and Russia fourth. Now, in the chat room, I want to give credit to – I won't make a prediction because I don't want – you know, I – you know, I, I want to give credit to somebody. Hold on. Uh, I got to find the, the post. Oh, T2 actually said that, hey, they've got, you know, Hughes, Ryan Paling, and Josh Norris down the middle, which is really good. Yes. But it does tail off a little bit compared to, like, elite guys of, like, Canada. And, and that's where I think it's good, but it's not, like, super good like it has been in the past. Yeah, so that starts today, and we'll I'll be watching it, and we'll all be watching it, and we'll be talking about it uh, in interspersed with the NHL talk, which you know there are no games today. The games start, I believe, tomorrow the twenty seventh. Well, uh, I know the Leafs play on the twenty eighth, and I'm not sure if the I think that's tomorrow that the schedule gets going again. And Tichu points out, hey, Tolvanen's a sniper. He is yeah. if they use him that way. I hope um, they'll use him that way. Now, Russ, you mentioned. Uh, something connected with uh, Harper and Machado that we could bring to talk about hockey here, but uh, with no yes. games, we'll, we'll, go, go ahead. Well, what, I, what I'm what i really disliking about their um, free agency deal is they're artificially waiting till after the new year to, to have this grandiose announcement and make their decision. Obviously, most teams have an idea which way they're leaning. I mean – Machado has already told friends he likes the Yankees. So this really does kill the hot stove market for baseball. <clears throat> because while there were some moves early on, Robinson Cano and otherwise, and some signings, 
it does put a log jam in what's going on. And it never used to happen in baseball. Right. I would say, but over the last 10 years, as the salaries rose, there's been a lot more me stuff that goes on in baseball, like the NBA, and it bugs me. And Peter, the it's the exact opposite in hockey because that five-day window before July 1st, that gets a lot of I mean, we used to have to wait, you know, there was a lot of signings on July 1. We usually have to had had to have to wait two or three days for t- for teams to sort of negotiate back and forth with a with a, the, a player. Um, I, I remember I think it was Ryan Suter and Parise signed on July 4. Yeah. Um, but now with the five day window, a Tavares can happen at one o'clock in the afternoon on July 1st. And that seems to be the opposite of what's going on in baseball. You're getting the signings all in the first two or three days in hockey and in baseball, it's getting stretched out to the point where these teams are sort of waiting for these players, the prices to come down. And they did that last year. A lot of these guys, they waited until just before spring training or even into spring training to get them on a bargain basement price. You don't see that in the NHL. No, you don't. And and I think one of the things that was really interesting was back after the lockout 2005, 2004, 2005, when free agency came into play there with the first salary cap, as the salary cap kept going up, teams were quick to sign players first. They're making offers really fast and they were signing because they the space kept going up. Revenue it was having huge jumps. Well, now those, but what happened is, is there were other contracts that were inherited from the salary, from pre-salary cap that were dying. So teams are having a lot of space, not just because of salary cap, but some of these legacy contracts also dying as well. And what we're seeing is the way structures are happening with the NHL is that you have less and less guys available. So this window is a really cool idea because it sort of, idea to prevent tampering but it gives teams a little bit of an option to try and understand where they should best be putting their time and energy and the 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 thing is though for the nhl you still see things pretty quick but they there's fewer and fewer guys to go from like i mean i think this year we're actually pretty excited unless some extensions start happening pretty quick because there's some potential for some interest going on with ufa and baseball just has so much more of it right? Yeah. Like there's just more guys, but a different economic model, different variables in play. I mean, I never really understand the whole sort of thing, like the winter meetings and fireworks just erupting with all these signings and stuff. It's just, I don't follow baseball that closely, but certainly the idea of the negotiating window to sort of, you know, I wouldn't even call it a negotiating window. I would call it just the expression of interest window. Where are you at? What are you thinking? Well, I mean, it, it make it, it, it definitely steers teams in other directions and moves things around and keeps things sort of moving in the right way. So you don't, before you basically wait on July 1st and there were guys camping out at agents offices and stuff, waiting to present contracts and things in person. And, you know, there's less of that now. And I think that's a good thing, but it's changed how it looks and feels. Well, with, with the winter meetings, Russ, it used to be that all the trades would happen during that because all the GMs would be there in the same place. And now it seems to be sort of the staging area for trades that are announced later on, like this de- deal between the Reds and the Dodgers. I mean, that didn't happen during the winter meetings. It had a, happened a week and a half or two weeks after the, the, the winter meetings. Yeah, I, I just remember it would all happen, most of it before Christmas. Like that yeah. used to be the schedule. And now it's it still could have happened that way. Yeah. But again, these players and agents, they just are, are, are making these grand pitches. You know, Scott Boris has to give out his 150-page report on on Bryce Harper. And the funny thing about it is 
he could still go back to the Nationals. We could find out that nobody else ponied up more than $300 million and he'll be trotting right back to Washington. That's still a possibility. That's, that's what's a, maddening that, about the whole process. That's a big loss for Boris if that happens because it basically shows yeah. that, the, that, the, that the ploy, you know, this grand tour that he's doing, it didn't No, work. but I mean, look, it looks like the Dodgers cleared out enough space that they're going to they're gonna buy in and do it. So I think, I think Boris will be safe. But if this does happen in hockey, I'll give him the same criticism because I just think it's bad for the sport. I thought it was bad when LeBron had the TV show. Mm -hmm. I think it's bad that they're doing this. And, and now it's literally, like, literally Hot Stove is dead. Yeah, It is 100% dead and, now until these guys make a decision. And honestly, it's like I'm, I, this goes across the board for all sports. You want to – if you want your fans to be – more interested i think you attract the casual fan and the the regular fan more by increasing the possibility of trades because trades are exciting trades draw interest yes and like i mean i you know like I said, i've told the story a million times i used when i was when i was a kid in like the late 70s and the early 80s and believe me my parents paid through the nose and i had ended up paying them later on um, what I would call sports phone in New York City at the trade deadline because the local radio they had their like 15 minute uh, sports spot they wouldn't they wouldn't be covered it was before sports radio so it wasn't like uh, or Twitter or anything like that so the only way that I could find out the trades that were being made was to call sports phone in New York that had updated every 15 minutes and they gave all the trades yeah it was a big deal and I would always call wow. and I, I wrote a book with Howie Carpenter and he was one of the main guys on the line Don, Don LaGreca who's one of the Rangers yeah. announcers right now he used to be on there so it's like I mean but that was the only condo you, only, you know if you wanted to find it out that day yeah, that was the only way. Yeah, you, you didn't want to wait until the next day's paper. I will right? tell you this: Peter, Peter might get a kick out of this. This has nothing to do with this show or anything, but because Peter's Canadian, I think he'll laugh at this. One of the things we used to like to do uh, in that sports phone era was, you know, we were young enough we would make prank phone calls. One of our favorite prank phone calls would be to the Montreal Expos ticket office, simply because we were speaking in English, they were speaking in French. <laughs> It's just fun. Now I, I wasn't oh, able. I, I wasn't able. <laughs> Sacre bleu! I wasn't <laughs> able to to find out specifically, but I believe the trade freeze drops at midnight tonight because that's the twenty seventh. Right. Yeah. Um, and now we talked about before the deadline. I know Eck wrote something about you know teams leading into the trade freeze who would be making. Uh, deals before the trade freeze and none came along. But I mean, I think that was valid because there are some teams that may have been trying to trying to beat beat that uh, that deadline. But now they may have been working over this break to make those deals. And who's going to be the ones? Uh, which teams are going to be the ones to sort of jump the gun and make that deal? Now we've talked about Philly. And we can talk about that again. But yeah. I know Bruce Garriott was reporting in the uh, in the Ottawa Sun about the Senators maybe doing something rather quickly after the trade freeze drops. And you can see based on all the financial stuff that's been coming out about Eugene Melnick. Yeah. They, you know, you're talking about Craig Anderson who's making over 4 million bucks. You're talking about, uh, you know, maybe a Cody CC, although that might be a deal closer to the deadline. You've got two unrestricted free agents pending in stone and Duchesne who, uh, you know, maybe those deals wait until uh, closer to the deadline, but, you could have a move here where Ottawa says 
we can get rid not get rid of, but we can move a player that was that has salary, bring prospects back. That's the direction we're going and alleviate our financial situation a little bit more by trading a player who's making a good salary. Right. And think about it. If if that happens, their first trade could be with Philly for Craig Anderson. Yeah, like yeah no kidding. You know, that that it would fits. be a likely trade. It it really does fit. Yeah. And so now we I, can see that pretty quickly. I I think Philly has sort of ramped up what they're willing to give in this deal. And I don't know if you know Ottawa's dropped demands at all because for Craig Anderson, if they're really asking for a first round pick, Philly might balk at it or or they might feel if we get this goalie that we're not going to be in the bottom so we're okay with this or they might do a lottery protected pick those yeah. are all options well okay yeah i mean uh, well talk, yeah. talk about peter talk about the goaltender market because we've heard for a couple weeks that jim the request from detroit from kenny holland regarding jimmy howard who's a pending ufa uh, is a first round pick and Anderson has another year. So if I was going to give up a first round pick, it would be for Anderson, even though Anderson has been, I mean, he's faced, I think he's the leader in shots uh, faced this year. I would rather trade, if I was going to trade a first round pick for a goaltender, and I thought that that was the last piece to get me, at least in the playoff race, like Philadelphia apparently thinks, which I, I think they're delusional. But if they want to give up a first round pick, I would rather give it up for Anderson than give it up for Jimmy Howard. Yeah, you know, Peter seems thrilled at either one, really. Yeah, you know, I'll I mean, tell you yeah, I one mean, thing about the the thing I don't like about trading Anderson is if it makes the Senators worse, that yeah. just means like it just Colorado's getting this big fat draft pick, and I don't yeah. like that at all. Yeah. Um, you know, the Ottawa mess is such a. Well, I don't the, even know how you describe it anymore. Like well, it, the, whole, it, the whole suing and counter suing and everything. It, yeah, it, it was interesting. Elliot Friedman talked about this in his 31 thoughts this week. And he basically said, you know, the NHL doesn't seem to be in a panic about the whole situation in Ottawa that they're, you know, they're on an even that we know of that we know. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the thing that we know of. They could be like losing their minds at the prospect of one owner being sued by the guy who was supposed to be part of the build of LeBreton. Flats for a billion dollars, and rumors out there that uh, that basically uh, Eugene Melnick is not solvent; that he, you know, has yeah. may have trouble reaching, you know, facing and, and paying payroll. I mean, this this can't be good for the league. I mean, the it the whole situation in Ottawa is a cluster. That's what it is. Yep, it totally yeah. is, and it, it could become unmanageable in the next three four months. It really could, and and that's yeah. when. And you know, we might start hearing murmurs before the draft. And and Russ, nobody is ta everybody's talking about Eugene selling the team that he'd be amenable that he might be amenable to it if he gets a certain amount. Nobody is talking about Quebec City. Nobody. I know, but that doesn't mean right. That and that's what I'm saying. When it's not being talked about, right. that's when I start to think there's something there. Yeah, I think Quebec City's being strangely and quiet, but they also know that. Like Eck has talked about, the best way to get a team is to be quiet is to and wait until uh, it you take. You know what? If if you're whoever it is, um, what's the center videotron and their their ownership group is Quebec Core. If you're the CEO of Quebec Core, um, or whoever else is in that consortium, and I don't, I, I mean, I, like you said, it's been so quiet for so long. Lock you're your calling mind. up Mark Chapman right now, 
and you're saying, what was your playbook? Yeah. What was your playbook? How did you deal with this? What were the variables? And Mark Chipman's with the, the Winnipeg Jets, if people don't know. Yeah, he's a owner, and he was the one who was sitting in the NHL office with 10 minutes to go before the uh, ruling in um, Arizona because they could have had the Coyotes back um, and then ended up getting the Thrashers. Um, you know, he went to that play. He his whatever his playbook was, they should he should be selling it to the Quebec consortium, yeah. and they need a consortium. Let's be really honest here. Um, they they need to they need to have a, a a very interesting pool of uh of investors in there. Um, they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of industry. They don't have a lot of anything to really deal with stuff. So it has to be a very interesting sort of makeup. And you almost go back to before the Daryl Cates days in Edmonton when there were about 21 guys who were owning the Oilers and keeping them afloat. Right. And they might need to do the same thing in Quebec City because they just, you know, they don't have I the industry it there. It is bigger than it used to be, and, and, yeah. and it is a little better of an economy than it used to be. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a couple, a couple that, questions. Isn't that true? I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is. But I haven't know. been there in four or five years, so I don't know. Yeah. It's just the, Size of the city isn't very big. Well, I was. We'll take a couple questions in the chat after this, but I just want to say one more thing. The fact is, I think that the thing in favor of Quebec City, if it is Ottawa, is it's a Canada to Canada transfer. It's one thing the NHL probably wouldn't be on board. A lot of the owners would not be on board if it was say a Florida or a Carolina moving to a Canadian market. But if it's Ottawa to Quebec City, then you're just maintaining the same amount of Canadian franchises. And if if you, if there is still a desire to expand, which I don't think you know, they're expanding the 32 at Seattle. I don't know if they want to go to 33 or 34. I think you're you're getting a little getting a little thin there. But if they yeah. do, they want that 650 to 700 million dollars in expansion fee in U.S. funds. Yeah. So or the equivalent, you know, the equivalent of it uh, in Canadian funds of seven fifty or whatever it is. So, yeah. I, I, you know, but I they, think, but they, but they won't want that if they're taken on an emergency basis. It'll be a completely different deal. You watch. Yeah, and and yeah, the, also the thing is, you gotta you you gotta factor in. That there won't model. be an expansion draft. They they right. get what you know. They get what they get, and that's it. And you have to factor in that Ottawa. Uh, you know, it is the it is the government capital of Canada, and what that means in terms of. And now the thing is, the building is already built. So if it was something like needing funds from the federal government for for the building to be built, I I think you know that wouldn't happen if they were trying to move Ottawa there. But the building's already built; it's already you know done. So all they would need to do is just and and they would stay in the same division. So I think yeah. that that would it would be the smoothest of transitions. It seems like a natural, but we'll we'll see if, if yeah. they make a deal, if Philly makes a deal, or or the Penguins. Because again, I do kind of wonder why they had all this scouting going on for the last couple of weeks. It does yeah. make me think that, and we know Rutherford doesn't really have any kind of diet deadlines or or timelines for trades. He just makes them when he makes them. I think I think the teams that you look for are the teams that we know are you know going to be in this huge sweepstakes so, so that means LA, Chicago, yep. St. Louis, Pittsburgh needs a defenseman, Philly needs a goaltender, Ottawa, we know they're going through a rebuilding situation. So I think those teams you're going to see something sooner rather than later. I don't know if it's going to be right away, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if before the end of the year there's one of those teams makes a move. All right, so Matt asks us, which goalies are the Flyers more likely to trade for? 
again, Anderson is is one of them. We've heard Quick's name mentioned. Heard Quick's really, name, that's yeah. certainly a, a guy who's in the mix. But that's – here's the question, Russ. That's the I thing I – think Jake Allen's probably in the mix. Yeah, he's short-term. But, the, here, Peter, let me ask you this. Philadelphia, I think, is looking for a bridge goaltender to Carter Hart. Yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan Quick, in my mind, is not a bridge to Carter Hart. He's an impediment because his contract, I think he has four more years. He's only 32 years old. Unless he gets hurt again, which is possible, then you know, you're know you limiting Carter Hart for the, probably the next three years to be the backup and playing 20 yeah. to 25 games. You know, you sort of wonder if you need a goalie who will play 60% of the games and give Hart 40. And you, you basically say... And this is tough because you've got other aspects of the organization to consider players, contracts, you know, direction you're going. So you're sort of the, the Flyers problem here is that they have they have an answer and goal, but the answer isn't a sure thing because nothing's a sure thing. But you right. but they there is a solution It's when does that solution arrive and how does it time with everything else? So in this case, if you could find a goalie and and and. and coach <laughs> remember we need a coach who's going to buy into this too at some point yeah but that's um, not going to happen until next summer right to say okay we're going to get you a guy for two years but carter hart's going to be the backup but carter and carter hart could take over number one if it happens but we want him playing 40 percent of the games to start and you're going to hand pick those games based on obviously opponent location and different variables and we're going to build him into this and then maybe next then maybe it flips to 60 percent of the games and the other guy becomes a backup so if you're looking for a, a, a kind of a goalie like that you might want to talk to the canucks because they have a couple guys who could sort of suit that role and nelson and markstrom and with them and a similar situation though with Demco, but right. is Demco Russ? You can answer this: Is Demco ready to come in and be the guy in Vancouver as opposed to what Hart's walking into? Yeah, I think next year Demco could start. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bit of a difference, right? So the Canucks have these yeah. guys, and it may not be the answer of having a true number one, but your true number one is Hart. So you've got to find the trans, build the transition plan for him to be that Again, number one. That's what we think, Peter. But uh, we don't know. No, I, I that that's what we think. What I think going should to happen. be done, right? I mean, we don't know if they even are looking at it that way, right? But your 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 analysis is right. You're 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 looking at it as I'm looking at it. That if Hart is the future of that franchise and goal, that you need the transitional goaltender, a guy for one or two years. My my assertion, and Russ has said this, and uh, you know, I, I know Eck has brought up quick. Quick is not a is not a quick solution. He's a long-term solution. Yeah, right. And when he's 35, he still wants to be the starting goaltender. You got to you're yeah. going to have a 5.8 million dollar backup? That just spells trouble to me. But anyway, let's a couple more questions. It does smell trouble, but we'll see. I mean, again, you don't know. Uh Two Dope wants to know any idea if Tampa will make a trade? Uh I think they will, but I think it'll be at the deadline. <laughs> I think it really will be for like another defenseman and you know, whether they have to trade a Slater cuckoo to get it. They have, they they only have a million eight in cap space. The last time I looked on cap friendly. So 
more than likely they're, you know, if they want to keep the team that they have right now, they're limited in terms of a, I think it'll be a veteran guy who can plug in in the, on the say four five, six spot on their blue line. They like their young guys. They have Cal foot in Syracuse. Maybe they, maybe they don't want to rush him, but Cuckoo I think is, is pretty decent, but they, they don't seem to want to give him a lot of time. No. Uh, but I think they'll go out and they'll get themselves a veteran, but it's somebody who won't have a lot of term left and is rel- relatively cheap. It's true. All right. So Esmir brings the Flyers back into because he wants to know what like the Flyers would be willing to trade. And I do like I talked about, I do think a first is possible, whether it's lottery protected or conditional, depending on what team gets it and, and who's going to be rolling with that. And and they prospect like if it's if it's quick, then you will give up a first of some sort, whether it's next year, this year with conditions it will be someone like Isaac Radcliffe and it will be someone like Robert Haig or, you know, even um, Philippe Myers. That's what, you know, that's what it's going to take to get a yeah. quick for Anderson. It might take Radcliffe and, a, and some sort of first, whether it's this year, next year, yeah. or if it's not a first, then maybe a second this year and they, a second next year. And they might, they might be willing to take a second in a deal for Anderson because I think they're expecting to get a first for either Duchesne right. or Stone if they trade him. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, like, teaming in a trade deadline got two seconds. So if you give, like, a second in Radcliffe, you might get that. Yeah. That's that's a possibility. I could see that. And I, I'd probably be a second this year. I don't think they'll do the next year thing. Uh Last question. Last one for John. Any idea what the return would be to X rumor that Habs are interested in Panarin? Well, I don't think. I don't think. I don't, don't think they are, but we have to entertain it because it is possible that if they were to come to some sort of contract agreement with Bob, that they might have to move Panarin in this, even though they're in it. And okay, so, if they do, I'll, I'll make a I'll make a guess. Any Panarin trade is going to include a first round pick, so I'll say Ryan Paling in a first round pick. I think it could be Paling and a first. I think it could be Noah Juleson and a first and a second. You know, like that kind of deal. And that's a hefty price for a rental because I'm, I am, yeah. I'm, especially with a team that is borderline wild card. Right now the now. second could be next year. They might do it that yeah. way. You know, but but that's a heavy that's a heavy price for a rental because I don't think he's signing with Montreal. I think you know Montreal could throw money at him. Peter, uh, but I, I think it's you know I think it's going to be New York, it's going to be the Islanders, it's going to be Chicago, LA, it's going to be those teams. I don't think it's Montreal. I, mean, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think the Panarin is going to La Belle Provence. Yeah, I, I mean, this is as good as a, a guessing game as anything. I think, uh, I think he's in the enviable position of being in such a great driver's seat due to his talent, his age. And what he can do that he's, you know, it'll be interesting to see who the suitors are who can feel they can fit him in and, and, and make him work, but who wants to spend the money and where they are. I mean, he could very well, very well may be happy to go to Montreal if the money's right. We don't even know. Right. And it's just, it's, I mean, and Montreal does have a strange sort of background with some Russian I mean, players. We're kind of right? holding like, them. We're kind of holding him to task saying he wants to be like in a coastal area right. by a beach. Has he, did Montreal, he actually say that? Yes. Yeah. He, oh, yes. okay. Okay. Well, Montreal's on a nice river. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No offense to the great people of Montreal or the Trois but it's not a beach. Sorry. Yeah. No. 
So, so he's going to want to go Lawrence. play in Florida. Or, well, he won't be going to Tampa. Maybe L.A., Anaheim, Seattle. No, no, Seattle. Vancouver. Vancouver. Vancouver could afford him. San Jose. San Jose. I don't think San Jose. Well, they'd have. Did they have the space to even do that? Well, remember, Carl. if Carlson leaves, that's six. Right. right. Carlson will probably be gone, so they probably and, Joe, you know, Joe Thornton's contract drops off. He's Maybe he comes back in another for another year cheaper. I don't yeah. see San Jose for Panera, no. I don't. No, well, probably not, but I'm just saying, I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, he wants to be more of a focal point. That's why I think the Rangers, the Islanders, yeah. you know, those are the teams I think. He, he wants to make a big splash, a focal point. You know, he wants to be the guy with the Lexus and Christmas with the stupid bow on it in the driveway. You know, I got a new you car this year. Nobody put a stupid bow on it. If he wants coastal and, and stuff, you know, it'd be a great place for him just because it would just drive Mike mental. Where? Is Boston. Boston. <laughs> Boston. Great. How about how about Panarin, Bergeron, and and Pasternak on one line and Krejci and Marshand on the other? <laughs> yeah, that might be okay. Oh, good. All right, guys. Great show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll see if there are any trades. Uh, we'll talk about some of the World Junior on uh, whatever else is out there. Uh, for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.